Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. As we all know, there's been a major shift in the world of work in recent years with line managers in particular, now facing fresh challenges in managing remote and hybrid teams. So I suppose the big question is, how can HR teams and organizations support them and achieve continued success? So to talk about this today, we're delighted to be joined by Liam Barton, Senior HR Consultant here at Inside HR. How are you, Liam? Very well, Owen. Thank you. Brilliant. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. How are you keeping? Brilliant. All good. So this is an interesting one. So let's jump right in, Mary. A big question here to, to kick off. I know it's not a, a difficult one to, to open with, but Mary, I suppose many managers wonder what has happened to their stable well-defined jobs in the new world of work. Um, I suppose that's something we hear a lot about. What's your view on that? I'm hearing it an awful lot from managers who are managing remote and hybrid teams. Many of them feel that they have just been plonked into a new role and the roles that they used to be good at uh, and used to understand clearly are no longer serving them in the new way of working. So I think it kind of comes back down to organizational design. So while we have embraced new technology and while we have allowed people in many cases to work remotely or work in a hybrid fashion, we haven't really actually designed in many cases the job or the role of manager. And that has led, I think, to quite a lot of confusion for people around the roles. Some people are instinctively good managers and their management skills have translated across MS Teams and Zoom and Slack and the digital ways of communicating with the people that they manage. And for others, they simply haven't. Um, the skills that they have aren't transferable across digital means and they're struggling. Uh, they're struggling around, um, you know, in office, out of office. They're struggling with meetings and managing meetings. They're struggling with uh, the requirement to support people and focus in on their uh, health and their well-being, as so much of us are now required to do. And I think a lot of managers face a gap in the skills that they have and the skills that they need for the future. And it is creating stress for people and it is causing burnout um, as we're starting to see filter its way through in workplaces now. Because remember, you know, when we look back at the early stages of the pandemic, managers were kind of just told to get out there and support their people. 
but very little of the how do I support my people and how do I do it remotely? I've always managed by watching what was happening in the workplace. I didn't manage through output. I managed through seeing what people were doing and and knowing who was in our department and who was working late and here early or missing lunches or whatever. And, And now I don't. Now a lot of that is invisible to me and all I'm looking at is output. And that takes a bit of getting used to. And I'm just not sure that organizational design or development is where it should be when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. And so much of what we have been doing is part of a grand experiment. There's no real guide, step one to 10, on how to go about doing this. It's suck it and see. Throw your managers out there and tell them to support people and talk to them about a whole range of really tricky issues from menopause to mental health to aging to fertility treatments to uh, all sorts of things that up until a few years ago, they absolutely weren't talking about with their uh, direct reports. So I think it is a, a challenging time for, for the front line. Absolutely. And that's an interesting point, Mark, because I know from working in the industry myself back when COVID did start, I suppose I was in an environment where line managers had previously just been all in the same place, all on the front line, that kind of thing. And it immediately struck me how much additional needs that were put on them, how the additional skills they had to, I suppose, have and that kind of stuff. So it's definitely something we need, I think, we agree on and I think a lot of our listeners will agree on as well. I think something that Mary alluded to there, in particular is that whole idea of when we talk about these additional needs, additional obligations, that kind of stuff. A lot of line managers, I think they're finding it hard to keep up these workplace demands and I suppose it's leading to, to burnout. It's probably the big thing that Mary said there as well. So when we talk about burnout in particular, what kind of organizations do to kind of combat burnout, make it a little bit easier to take some of that stress off their, their line managers? Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, Owen, oh, like, I think there's no doubt we're dealing with a more stressed and anxious society. So we're definitely dealing with a more more stressed and, and anxious workforce. And I think if we think back to the last two or three years and, and the pace of, you know, change moving from very much, in many cases, a head office environment where people were commuting to work. Now people are working, in many cases, working remotely or working in a hybrid fashion. There's been a huge amount of change. And there's been a huge shock to the workplace in terms of the way, and very much what Mary was talking about, how work is configured. So, you know, previously you went to a site, you worked, you had support in terms of the people around you. And now very many people are working remotely or are working in a hybrid fashion. I suppose there's a couple of things. What I'd encourage employers to think about is legislatively as well. What are your requirements? So albeit that people moved in many cases from a head office type environment, whether there might be a clock in or clock out system or a, a sign in sheet in terms of recording their hours of work. The move to remote hasn't changed the, the regulatory or legislative requirement in terms of the Organization of Working Time Act in terms of hours of work. So, so typically from a rest break point of view, there's legislation there which governs employees and, you know, how much time they're meant to spend at work in terms of a, a an upper threshold of hours of 48 hours per week. So, you you know, I wonder in how many instances are employers aware of how many hours 
their employees are actually working because they don't see them. It's exactly what Mary said. You know, I, I don't see this particular employee. So how do I know they're not working 60 or 70 hours per week? How do I know that they are taking appropriate rest breaks? Uh, in many cases, employers simply don't know. And so I would reinforce on employers th- the basic standards in terms of, okay, know when your employee is logging on to work and at work and, and know when they're at, at rest. Uh, have your policies and procedures, and that's around governing working hours, rest, the right to disconnect, so on and so forth. It's fine having the policies and procedures. How are you actually implementing those? How are you checking in? Are, are you receiving emails from people at 20 to 11 at night? If you are, you know, is that part of their normal working hours or are they just sort of checking in on their emails when, when in many cases they've put the kids to bed and they're getting an hour's work in before they start work in the morning? So there's many things there, Owen, I think that, that employers could do in terms of, you know, you're expected to work your core hours between eight to four or seven to three or whatever it is. And thereafter, we, we typically don't expect you uh, to be at work. And I had an interesting case with an employer <laughs> recently where they had to write out to, to a particular employee to tell them to stop working. You're not meant to be coming into the office at half past six in the morning. Mm. You know, you're, you're meant to be showing up at half past eight. So why are you here two hours before your contractual start work because what was happening is that the person was getting stressed and they were taking on too much work. And so it's an unusual one where I have to script a letter for an employer to write out to an employee, actually stop working, go home, separate yourself from work. Because if we're serious about work-life balance and having a healthy workforce, then we need to, as employers, take practical steps in terms of, okay, you know, at six o'clock, Liam, put the laptop away, but by all means, you know, look at the TV and spend time with your, your family. So I think if employers were more proactive in terms of doing the basics, in terms of what hours of work are you actually working? What are the, the demands on you from a managerial point of view in terms of the reports you have to send, the clients you have to interact with, and so on and so forth? And how sustainable? How are you feeling? So there's that check-in in terms of how are you? And that can be a check-in conversation, a phone call, a coffee together. Um, so I'd encourage employers to do the basics and where you're seeing stressor signs to activate and to move on those very quickly would be my advice. Yeah, but but what about the manager? That's, that's the way, you know, the manager is having to do all that. And, and I agree with you, Liam, you know, the manager has to monitor the employees to ensure that they're not, you know, wearing themselves out, ensuring that they don't communicate with them outside of, you know, contractual hours, talking to them about issues relating to their lives, uh, managing the work, the actual workflow and their productivity and their performance, and then also being expected to be empathetic um, leaders who are coaching and supporting their people to do the right thing. And unfortunately, there's not enough focus on them themselves. It's all about the employee body and supporting that employee body. And the line manager is in some ways forgotten about in those circumstances where it's very much about the employee. 
and the people that they manage. Um, and, you know, when it comes to organizational design and, and job design, I really don't think we have done enough work on the role of that manager um, to see, well, you know, do we understand the job? Do we know what the skills gaps are? Do we understand the people and the requirements of the people that they serve and manage? And, you know, while there's variables in terms of time and space for the employees, you know, if we let someone work from anywhere, for instance, or if we allow uh, people to pick and choose their own working hours, which isn't always the case. And in lots of organizations, it's far more structured than that. But think about the job of the manager that might span over someone starting work at seven in the morning and finishing at three, someone else starting at nine and finishing at 5.30, someone else starting at two and working on until the evening. Well, you know, who's managing all that? And how is the communication process working around all of that. So I think there's some real big challenges from an organizational perspective in, in terms of managing people and ensuring that they're supported to do the job that the organization wants them to actually do. Absolutely. I think it's, I suppose it's accentuated, Mary, in the sense for a lot of life managers who in particular might have been working in-house or let's say fully in the office and now they have to work remote. Um, there's, I think Liam alluded to it there about that kind of setting leadership by example. But now if you're seeing, let's say I'm a, just a, a regular employee, now I'm probably only seeing one manager. I'm not really seeing the, the wider leadership team. So a lot more onus is on that that manager to, I suppose, set a good example. And I think another, it's a perfect segue on to my next question as well, Mary, around that kind of another thing that seems to be missing and it's what we hear the most, I think, when we talk about remote working, hybrid working in some some spheres is that whole kind of sense of belonging, sense of being part of a team. So I suppose the, the question there, Mary, is for managers in particular, how can they, I suppose, equip their teams, their employees, support them uh, effectively and give that sense of belonging? I suppose our managers kind of doing that effectively in your eyes, do you think? I, I think it, it, it varies um, from manager to manager, uh, that it's not universal across the board. And, and look, I guess uh, each organization is, is an individual place, uh, maybe no longer a place in some circumstances, but, you know, it's an organization. Each organization has their own culture, their own values, their own goals and mission you know, creating sense of belonging involves communicating effectively. One of the difficulties, I guess, with, um, you know, communicating digitally versus in person is, you know, how much time people actually spending online on meetings and what is the impact for those individuals on their health and well-being. So if you imagine a line manager trying to communicate with all their team, you know, there may be very little time for that manager to do much else, depending on the size of the team. So it comes back then to fundamental design questions, you know, how big should the teams be? What is the role of the manager? Do we expect the manager to create that 
sense of belonging in employees. Um, and and how is that manager going to go about doing that? Because I can't just task you, Liam, with going about creating a sense of belonging with our team who's scattered all across Ireland without giving Liam time to do that, without teaching him how to go about doing that, to ensuring that he has sufficient empathy and skill and soft skills that might be appropriate now. And what might what we might have considered soft pre-pandemic are now critical skills. And um, do our managers actually have them? Because traditional management teaching in our universities, on our management development programs, uh, in our organisational programs are not around those kind of skills. They're around a, an entirely different group of skills that managers have learned, and in some cases over many, many years. So, it, you know, getting people to change from that is a challenge in itself. And it, it does require, I, I guess, intervention from the organization to ensure that people are supported fully in changing, in developing the skills needed for the future so that they're able to support the employees. You know, so many of our clients have been developing awareness programs around things like mental health and and menopause and fertility issues and all sorts of, of inclusion and diversity issues. And imagine if an employee actually approaches that manager to talk about something like that or to look for some kind of accommodation or supports and the manager is extremely awkward when discussing the menopause or embarrassed by the conversation or dying to get out of the room away uh, be that an actual physical room or a virtual room, uh, you know, to try and get away from the conversation. And what's the impact then on the individual employee? What's the impact on the organisation? What's the impact on what HR are actually trying to do with their awareness raising campaigns and policies and procedures that are there to support the employee? So in this new world of work, the bit that seems to me to be missing in a lot of organizations now is that training and development piece of line managers so that we're supporting them to do the job that needs to be done now, which is entirely different from the job which they were doing three years ago. Absolutely. And I think any manager will, will know or any manager that has been in action, let's say for a number of years, maybe will know that I suppose there has been, there's always, I suppose, incremental development in a role in incremental additional obligations and coming with that is incremental upskilling along the way. But I think you're dead right in the sense that it has kind of snowballed, I think to, to put it lightly in the past couple of years with all these additional obligations. So I suppose the question for yourself, Liam, is building on what Mary has said there, how does that affect then the perspective of, I suppose, L&D teams within organizations or managers thinking about their own kind of development? I suppose it's, it's, a, it's a slightly more imminent need, I think, for, for both managers and organizations now, isn't it, to really focus on those kind of soft skills? Absolutely. And I, I think Mary mentioned a number of, of key things um, in her comments. On one of the things is time. And, you know, we're demanding more and more and more from managers. They haven't necessarily been given any more time during the working week, unless unless something uh, that memo has has missed me. You know, the working 
the working week is still the same. The manner in which we're performing a lot of our work has changed and changed quite dramatically. And even if you take an example of Insight HR, we, broadly speaking, were in the same physical location up until about two, two and a half years ago. And it was so much easier to converse. Let's let's have a chat in the board. We, we go through that. Let's pull the team together. And that would take you know four or five minutes. So the, the manner in which the manager has to manage has fundamentally changed in many cases, but the demands have increased. Uh, a lot of the time and, and resourcing has stayed the same or possibly has has reduced. So we're asking managers to conduct, which is already you know a challenging, difficult role in a different way, in many cases with less resources. So line managers could be could well feel beleaguered in terms of the demands, the, the physical demands on, the, on them, in terms of managing the team remotely. And we are missing sometimes that connectivity that we will have face-to-face uh, within that physical interaction where we can talk to someone over, over a, a cup of coffee or, or whatever it may be. I think with regard to the whole area of skill set and skill set development, it's been rightly acknowledged, I think particularly in the last 12 to, to 18 months, the whole area of empathy on and being able to connect with people, whether it's remotely or, or one-to-one and connect with them in a very meaningful way and bring people w- with you on the journey. I would agree with Mary, some managers have that and they almost have that innate ability to communicate very honestly, um, very positively with people, listen empathetically, take on board what the employee is saying and use very collaborative language to bring that person with them. Other managers don't. And very often what we find in many cases that a manager has been promoted because of technical ability, i.e. he's the best engineer, she's the best accountant, he or she is the best salesperson. Um, they might necessarily be the best people manager um, or have the best you know, people management skill set. So I think that's something that employees and I think managers have to have a very open and honest conversation. And it's okay to say, you know what, I'm actually struggling. I need a bit of support or, you know, I need to have a day where I can get through my tasks with some support from the team. And it's okay to say, actually, you know what, I'm really, I'm really struggling. So I think we need to reach out and we need to be very humble in terms of our approach and understand that hybrid working and the the dynamic around that is not a utopia, that some people who, who are working from home may be in an isolated situation, as we've covered previously in podcasts, they may be in a, a not-so-ideal domestic situation, and they may be in a not-ideal not housing situation. So in very, very many cases, people are trying to grapple with real societal problems and at the same time remotely manage a team. And they're beleaguered and they're under pressure and they're under stress. And I think in many cases, Owen, and I'd be interested to hear Mary's view, managers almost feel, well, I, I need to be indestructible. You know, I, I need to be titanium. And it should be okay from a society point of view and from an organizational point of view to actually say, do you know what? I'm having a bad day. I'm actually having a really bad week. I, I, I'm beginning to feel this, the stress and strain of managing the team remotely trying to encourage better performance, manage within a budget, 
conduct my working environment in a not so ideal location where you know there's a lot of private personal stuff going on and i think a lot of people are in that situation and i think you know from mental health point of view from a physical health point of view from an organizational point of view we need to reach out and connect with those people because i do think a lot of people own are under pressure and we've, we've hid behind the move to remote or hybrid has been positive in all cases in many cases it hasn't and you know we need to understand that and I think reach out and support many line managers who are going through particularly difficult situations. Yeah, remember too that um, you know there's some amazing statistics coming out about burnout, um, burnout in the HR profession, burnout uh, amongst managers, and you know every day of the week I look on LinkedIn and I see some HR person or leader or just some, maybe even someone I don't know, moving. And there seems to be a huge amount of people moving in general. And yes, of course, people are going to move because of money and improving their lifestyle. Of course, we're going to see that. People are going to move because they perceive um, something to be better somewhere else. But primarily, people move because of management, because they're dissatisfied with the way in which that they're managed. And when you look at burnout and burnout as, as something that the World Health Organization has said is, uh, you know, a, a disease of concern. And that's useful in many ways because it, it you know, I suppose, pushes it into a health and safety issue and a health and safety risk for an organization. But remember, people are burned out everywhere. And so people are leaving one organization and coming into another um, burned out right at the very get go. And managers are trying to engage with people as best they possibly can. In some cases, you know, there'll be extensive onboarding programs which are running for a number of weeks and bringing people together, you know, in person where they're connecting with each other and and getting that sense of community and building a community uh, within the organization. And in many other cases, that's just simply not happening. Um, and the smaller the organization, the less structured those programs are going to be. And, you know, managers are dealing with some really difficult situations, even with new entrants into the workforce. So while people you would hope are coming excited, enthusiastic, their best selves into their new job. That actually isn't always the case. Um, and so managers are dealing with those issues, not just with existing employees, but employees that are joining them as well. And mental health issues are, are significantly on the increase as well, uh, along with statistics about people being lonely um in the workplace so there's quite a bit you know when it comes to hybrid and remote working there's a, a grand experiment that's been ongoing for you know probably the guts of a year at this stage but there aren't any answers but we do know that we need to connect in person uh, at some points 
so that we reduce the risk of burnout and loneliness and mental health issues, um, you know, and and build trust and psychological safety and all of those things. So there is a need for that. Now, is there a need for people to be in two days a week or three days a week? Uh, maybe not. And maybe people resent that. And when they come in, they're not happy and delighted and excited to be at work. Maybe they're quite resentful and bitter and wish they weren't there and they've had a commute and they've had to change their childcare arrangements and so on and so forth. You know, it is not all a, a glamorous world of delight when people come into the office. Um, and, you know, yet managers are expected to encourage people to do that and, and then deal with them when they come into the office. And then there might be some people at home and the manager actually spends all day on Zoom or Teams or whatever platform is being used to communicate and actually not interacting with these people at all anyway, because it still has to be virtual because everybody's not there. So I think it's a real challenge and it does require HR to look at it. It's not just a HR issue, though. It's a health and safety issue. It's an organizational issue. Um, and, you know, I think a real focus needs to take place internally to see how can we make this work better? What do we need to do to not just support the teams, but to support the line manager? What skills do we need to hire for in the future? when it comes to line managers and what training needs to take place now so that we, the people that we're asking to do all of this supporting actually have the, the skills and the time to do the job effectively. So it's quite, quite the change. Mm, and that's the big question, I think, Mary, because I suppose we've established it's a challenging time for line managers, challenging time for HR. And if, it's, if you're a HR team manager, Fair play to you because it's obviously a, quite a challenging time for you as well. But I suppose the big question I'll come to both of you, if I come to yourself first, Liam, um, maybe in a couple of lines. Based on that, then what do you think should be the kind of priorities for for HR as they look to, I suppose, kind of combat the the challenges that they're that they're facing? Um, gosh, there's a lot in that question. On I, I think two two or three very concise points. I think what is your your temper temperature gauge? How are you going to interact or get real authentic earthly feedback from your line management team regarding how they're getting on so what's your employee engagement process so is that a monthly check-in is that a a face-to-face -face meeting um how are you doing that so in other words how are you how can you be confident um, within your HR department that you have a real understanding of, of how the line managers are feeling at this point in time. And, you know, I'd nearly be of the view I would be pushing some sort of face-to-face check-in mechanism there uh, rather than not it being all online or, or digital now, depending on the circumstances, if you have a remote team in, you know, Vancouver or Washington or wherever it is, that is going to be more problematic, but I, I would encourage bringing the line manager team together because sometimes as, as managers on, I think, you know, 
um, it goes back to what I was saying. Well, you know, I should be bulletproof and I should be titanium and I, you know, I should be indestructible. And line managers need to understand we're in it together. And there's, there's a team around you to support you. And it's okay not to feel okay at this point in time. I think that's, that's very, very important. And the second thing I'd say is, and it kind of goes back to what, what Mary was saying, what resources or support mechanism is there for the line manager? Because Mary is absolutely right. We tend to, we tend to kind of slightly forget about the line manager. You get the line manager. No, that team is being managed. They're, they're okay. It's all right. Well, actually, the line manager needs support too. And, you know, what are the support mechanisms from a people point of view, from a resourcing point of view, from an employee wellness point of view, is there to support the line manager? And how comfortable is the line manager actually asking for help? And I think if, if you went out into a lot of organizations, there's still a sort of view, I'm the manager, I have to be indestructible, I have to be on top of everything, I have to make sure all the reports go in on time, I have to make sure I have a high-performing team, I have to make sure all my customers are happy. And so there's an awful lot of demands. And so from, from uh, a wellness, from a, from a mental health point of view, who's supporting the line managers? So I think there's a couple of conversations there where we need to sort of look at the line manager differently, actually say, you know, you need a bit of support. You need a bit of help from, from time to time. And there is a team around you. And how, how is that support mechanism working? And how, how, does the, how does the line manager actually feel at this point in time? Not the contrived sort of, no, everything is absolutely perfect. Nothing to see here. Well, no, tell us honestly, and it's okay. We want real and authentic feedback. In other words, we don't want, you know, a contrived sort of message that everything is perfect and it couldn't be going any better because we know in lots of cases that's not actually the case. Um, and I think if, if organizations can do something like that, they'll really support the line manager. Absolutely. And same question to yourself, Mary, think that. Yeah, how often do we hear uh, line managers say things like, I'm paid to put up with um, this kind of thing. I'm well paid. And, you know, that view has seeped down over many years from senior teams. You know, you're paid well. Your job is to ensure the productivity and, and the happiness and the well-being and whatever of, of these people. You know, your bottom line is to ensure that they're performing. Um, and so I often hear line managers say things like that. I'm, I'm paid very well um, to do this job. Um, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity and, and to work in this organization and, and all of that. But, you know, I, I do believe there is a cost for line managers at this point in time. And, and also that sense of, you know, where am I? Uh, you know, where, 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 where's my job gone? Uh, you know, what am I to do now? What is expected of me now? So, my advice is simply understand the job, understand the people, um, look at the networks, like Liam says, they're important. Look at not just your competitors, but other industries and see, see what's working well elsewhere. Keep an eye always on the outside to see what's happening in the world of work. Um, you know, because that's powerful and helps you as a 
HR leader, an L&D specialist or uh, a CEO to think about, well, what might we be able to do in this organization to help and support managers? Absolutely. And a very important conversation to have. And I think it goes back to the motto of a couple of years ago is where we're all in this together. So I think if, if that's something that that shouldn't be forgotten, I think, in, in workplaces and everywhere else at the moment. So thank you, Mary Liam, for a very insightful discussion. Great to talk about a topic that we haven't really touched upon previously. So it's fantastic to, to get those insights and important discussion. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. Also, do make sure to visit our site because we do have a, a range of resources there um, related to today's topic that will help you support your continued success with your line managers and your HR team. And as always, for any HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at InsideHR.ie. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Liam. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.